Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 245. My name's Adam Patterson. Joining me today, we've got Kevin Rakestraw. How are you, Kevin? Better. Better. How about this weather? What is... I mean, I'm assuming that it's the same in your area where it's 70 degrees one day, the next day it's like 30, and then yesterday it was 20 here. Yeah. It's stupid. Did you get snow? No, actually we didn't. Well, yeah, we got snow. It was, it was like 72, and then it dropped down to 30, and then it snowed. I don't understand what's happening. All my bulbs are up. All my flowers are up. Like, all my trees have bugs on them. Yeah, and then they all die. And then, then they all die. <sighs> what's happening to this world that we live in? I'm kind of hoping it's end of time. It's like kind of cool. It seems, it seems like we're heading that direction for sure. Uh, this week on the show, we'll, we have two reviews lined up for you with the Mo Brothers' latest martial arts action flick, Headshot, alongside owner Tuchel's comedy, Catfight. We'll also be going over some of what we've been watching on the watch list, Blu-ray releases, movie predictions, VOD releases, all of that fun stuff, including my impressions of Logan, uh, remember, you can join in on the conversation by sending us an email podcast at filmpulse.net or sending us a tweet at filmpulse.net. Let's, uh, well, one thing that, uh, so we recorded last Sunday before the Oscars happened. The Oscars, oh, yeah. the Oscars did happen. Uh, I don't think there's any reason to get into the whole best picture debacle because that's been talked yeah, was, talked about to was, death that was funny i did get to witness it live uh and it was uh, it was it was really funny because like so i was updating the i was updating our post like as it was happening so as the winners were coming up i was updating the post immediately so they announced la la land as the winner so i'm like you know updating the list and my wife was like something's going on Some, something's happening here because I was, I was like looking away from the TV, and so I look at the TV, and there's like all this kerfuffle happening on stage, and I was like, "What? What is happening? It looks like there is something happening." And then they, and then they said that it was Moonlight. <laughs> it's like, oh my god, that that has to be the worst Oscar flub in history. Yeah, easily. And it was just funny because you could tell Warren Beatty was like, uh... He didn't know what was going on. Uh, like, he, he was so confused. <laughs> and Faye Dunham was just like, say it. Just say it. He's like, um... Because <laughs> it says Emma Stone. He's looking at a piece of paper that says Emma Stone, <laughs> La La Land. He's like, this doesn't seem right. It would have been better if he, that's what he announced. If he just announced the best picture winner is Emma Stone. <laughs> he thought that was the... Name of the movie that be that would be funny. I mean, I felt I felt bad for for Warren Beatty because at first he was getting blamed for it. They were like, "Yeah, he fucked it up," and it's like, no, the, clearly he didn't. No, because you could tell he knew something was up, and then Faye Dunaway's just like, "La la lad." They thought she she thought he was like messing around. Yeah, I think a lot of people probably thought that he was joking around, but but also at that point, just be like. I don't know if this is right. That <laughs> so funny. <laughs> this doesn't seem like the right thing. Oh God. So uh what what were your thoughts on the the winners overall? So La La Land didn't win Best Picture, but it did uh 
it did win quite a few awards, including Best Director, Best Actress, Best Original Score, Best Song, Best Production Design, Best Cinematography. Yeah, it seemed to win a lot. I'm just really happy about Moonlight winning. Yeah, so so was I. I That's mean, crazy. That is uh, Moonlight is now the least expensive um, movie to ever win Best Picture because it, it only cost I think it was like 1.4 million or something to make it. So it was the, yeah. the cheapest movie ever to win Best Picture. So that's pretty cool. Um, I was okay with most of the results. Uh, cinematography, obviously, is a little bummed out about. because I also wanted Bradford Young to win that. Um, I was okay with Manchester by the Sea getting original screenplay. I was okay with uh, Casey Affleck getting best actor. I did like uh, Salesman winning. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of wanted Tony Erdman to win, but that's okay. Overall, I didn't think it was that bad of uh, an Oscar. You know, like sometimes it just feels like such a train wreck at the Oscars. Just the the painful, awkward speeches and the the dumb little skits and interludes they do. But it felt I was pretty much okay with everything this year. I mean, it was it was still entirely too long. It was like three oh, and yeah. a half three and a half hours long or whatever. It's like, come I, on. I, I think I watched like five minutes of it. I popped it on and it was at the point where they like, they parachuted candy from the ceiling. And I was just like, nope, this is fucking stupid. That was stupid. They did that like, <laughs> they did that like three or four times. It's just like, it's bad enough that you guys have this circle jerk. They just like pat each other on the back and shit. And then you're like, close your eyes. We're going to drop parachute candy down to you. It's like, give me a break. Yeah. Just it, give yourself the awards and go home. I, yeah, I wish they didn't do all of that extra stuff there because it was yeah, kind of... They're just trying to be too cute. And also, I'm just... I don't understand Jimmy Kimmel. I don't understand how that guy has a career. It just blows my mind. The Man Show? Remember The Man Show? Yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> like, that's all I can think of. It's like, from that to where he is now, like, who let that happen? I guess people like him. I don't know. I, I, I've never met anyone that liked Jimmy Kimmel. I've never heard anyone say those words out loud. <laughs> it's a huge conspiracy. I wouldn't say I like him, but I also don't really have an opinion on him. I well, that's, I, 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 that's the thing that I hate about him. He went from being like, I didn't like him on the man show. I hated that show. Well, that show was stupid. But then he like, it's like he completely erased like any personality that he had. And he didn't have much to begin with. And now he's just this like completely inoffensive, safe white person. It's it's so confusing to me. Mm. They need to just bring back Win Ben Stein's money. <laughs> That's right. He did that too. Yeah, he did that. Oh my god! What the fuck? <laughs> it's a, it's like a it's almost like uh, Chris Hardwick. Like I don't get Chris Hardwick and why people are like like him so much. There's just wow. Mm. Yeah. All right. So that's the Oscars. Another one in the books. <laughs> Way to go. Good job, guys. Uh, I'll be posting in a, an interview this week I, I did with Matt Johnson, director of uh, Operation Avalanche and the uh, currently running Nirvana the Band, the show on Viceland. And I, yeah. I asked him about the Oscars. And he's like, I didn't even watch it. Oh. He's not an award show guy. I mean, the only reason I watched it was so that I could get the list up, up to date on the site. Yeah. That's that's it's really out of obligation at this point. All right, let's talk about our first movie of the day. I was thinking we could go with Catfight. 
Catfight. This is written and directed by owner Tuchel. I have a synopsis here. The rivalry between two former college friends comes to a head when they both attend the same glamorous event. The stars Sandra Oh and Anne Heche. Alicia Silverstone's in there, too. Mm-hmm. It's the Silverstone comeback of 2017. I'm telling you, this is where it's, it's all starts right here. And she did, a, she did a good job in this movie. She was, she was good. I mean, she didn't have a very meaty role, but uh, she was funny in it. Definitely, especially yeah. that uh, baby shower scene. <laughs> oh, that was one of the better scenes. Uh, so you, you have a review for this up on the site right now, so I'll start things off. Catfight. I liked Catfight. Uh, I like all of Owner Tuchel's movies. I've seen, I think, almost all of his stuff. And I think that this one is the most, I think it's the biggest movie that he's made thus far. Uh, that isn't to say it's like yeah. some giant production, but it is, it just, it looks like it has a bigger budget. Um, it's just bigger in scope too. So you have these two women who knew each other in college, they're friends in college. And one of them is married to, uh, Sandra O's character is married to this, this rich business guy. And they are attending this, this function, this gala and, and Heish is kind of this struggling artist, and she's helping out her girlfriend, played by Alicia Silverstone, with catering. Uh, they meet each other. They get into a, like a little bit of a verbal argument about the past, and then uh, it turns into a, a fight, a cat fight, as it were. Four. It ends up uh, putting um, it ends up putting Sandra O oh in a coma for two years. And when she wakes up, she discovers that she has nothing. Uh, and this is where, I mean, this is, this is a dark <laughs> comedy. Yeah, this I was is, not expecting the whole coma thing. This is a dark comedy. She wakes up and she discovers, should I, I don't know if this, should I say it? Is it a spoiler? Uh, I don't, I, I kind of want, want to say that it is. Okay. Well, just, that would, you know, for for me, I don't know how it was for you, but there was that initial like when that happens, and you kind of find out where where she's at now. It's just like, oh shit, okay. Jesus. Yeah, so I won't say it. Um, she wakes up and realizes she has nothing. I'll I'll say that. Um, and then as she struggles to um get on her feet, she realizes that Anne Heche uh, has become famous. She's become rich and famous in the art world, and goes after her for basically ruining her life and then sort of uh, history sort of repeats itself with Anne Heche yeah. and it's basically just this this epic battle between these two women um there were there were several things i liked about this uh one was the parallels between their two lives i loved how you know one was she had everything, and she lost everything, and then she had to build herself back up, and it was the same way with the other character, and it was just this kind of, uh, they, they basically were the same person. They were both horrible people. Like, they were just, they were both horrible, unlikable people. One, one a little bit more so than the other. I would say so, yeah. Because Anne Heche, man. Whew. She's, yeah. Well, that's the thing, like, even when, because you, when you're starting off, it was like, Anne Heche didn't, she was struggling, she didn't have anything, but she was still a bitch, you know? She was still horrible. Yeah, when she's still when Sandra O oh lost everything, it humbled her. And with Anne Heche, it was like, no, there was no humbling. 
of her. No, not at all. It was uh, the uh, the fight scenes themselves. Uh, the the first one in the stairwell. It's like, oh shit, this is this is serious. Like it's not. They're not cat fights. No, you know, no, this no. is just all out, just punching each other in the face. Yeah, this is this is the real deal. Back and forth, just and I love that the the sound effects for the the punches being landed is just so ridiculous. They're so exaggerated that they are, you know, perhaps two of the toughest people in the world just destroying each other's faces. And they they essentially endure a lot of a lot of abuse. But like the first one, okay, yeah, it's great and everything. Second fight much of the same and then even the third fight much of the same it's just like there's no defense from either one of these two there's there's just like punch me in the face yeah i'll punch you in the face yeah there's no blocking and uh you know by the like the third time when they're fighting it's just to me it was just kind of bland it was yeah i'll agree with that it's just like okay we're gonna do this again for the next you know kind of like looking at my watch yeah because another five minutes of this yeah because they he, he really it seems like he really wanted to accentuate the fights i mean that was that's like the big thing is the fighting and they were very long like the fight scenes are really long and it, i agree it, it did it did get kind of old after a while especially by the third one by the third one you're just like okay i, yeah. I know where we're going with this let's 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 wrap it up let's just let's just speed it up a little bit uh i liked how the the final blow on the first two fights wasn't done by either of them directly. Yeah. I liked how it was something else that caused the final knockout. Uh, I thought that that was interesting. And one of the big things that, that kind of surprised me was the whole um, interjection of the war that was happening in this, in this movie. Yeah. So this, ta- this takes place in some sort of like alternate history. Or maybe it's maybe it's like a near future type situation where they're both profiting off the off this this impending war, and the fact that that uh, two years it, it jumps ahead by two years twice, um, you get to see like the outcome of that. Whereas at the beginning of the movie, there was a new president coming in, and this president was getting ready to to go to war, and. Uh, Sandra O's oh's husband, I guess, was uh, his company cleaned up countries after wars, like debris cleanup and stuff. Yeah. So they were they were going to be making a ton of money off this war. And then when Anne Hache became, you, you jump ahead two years and you're in the middle of the war, Anne Hache becomes uh, famous because the style of her paintings are very grim and kind of dystopian and, and depressing and, and dark. And that's where the country was at because in the movie they reinstate the draft and yeah. there's, you know, tons, tons of American soldiers dying. And it was just a, uh, the outlook on the country was very grim. So she profited off of the war too. And I thought that that was kind of an interesting dynamic to, to add into the movie. Yeah. I thought it was interesting too, but I do think that, what it's so it's he's just entirely too broad with it where it's just like the war and then feel it and especially with the like the late night talk show that bring, they were, bring out the fart machine yeah it was always the fart machine and there's always this discussion of the the threat level stuff so i to me it felt this this felt like a bush era film 
which I again, like I said in my review, I don't know if that's kind of what he's saying, you know, that it's kind of cyclical and the kind of history repeating itself and everything. But I don't know, just that portion of it with tying their fighting and, you know, making their wealth and stuff off of the war and just how the war affects them. I just it, to me, it was just too broad. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Uh, it didn't seem like there was much of a pointed statement to make there. But it, yeah. it did feel more of like kind of a broad statement. Yeah, it just kind of felt to me after a while, it just kind of felt like an excuse to have these two just beat the shit out of each other, which again becomes kind of bland after a while. I mean, I enjoy myself to a certain extent, but I don't. I, I definitely don't think this is one of his strongest films. No, I don't think so. I think um, uh, applesauce is probably. Which I mean, that's <laughs> he throws in that. You know, on the back of the that magazine, mm-hmm. he has the applesauce on the back there, and then all the artwork that's used in the movie is his real life artwork that mm-hmm. he does. So he does get himself in there, but that it was, was just that... it was odd to help watch a Tuchel movie where he's not on screen. Well, and that's the movie. thing. Like, I kind of missed him. Like, <laughs> I, the thing I like so much about his movies is is him. <laughs> like, he's a he's a really funny character, and I kind of missed him in this. Yeah, yeah, I could definitely see that. Even a even like a little cameo would have been nice. Just get a cameo in there. Although I did, I did like the uh, the cameo from uh, Titus. Yes, had... he was good, and Dylan Baker I thought was great too as the doctor. Yeah, <laughs> he doesn't he, he doesn't have a lot to do, but just his deadpan delivery. Yeah, I always like Dylan Baker. Dylan Baker is he's underrated. I agree. Just throw that out there. I mean, happiness alone should have put him on the map. Yeah, really. Well, at any rate, I, mean, I, I enjoyed the, it. Like it's yeah. I mean, it's it's light fun. It's actually dark fun. Well, I mean, it's dark, but it's, I mean, in terms, of, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Uh, but yeah, yeah it, no, it's dark. It is extremely dark. Yeah, totally. Uh, Which, the, the places that they go in this were those were some of the biggest surprises. It's like, oh my god. Like this is horrible. Yeah, you know. But at the same time, it's not. It's not entirely too surprising because it is like if you've seen, like if you're familiar with Tuchel's work, it's kind of like you are kind of like that initial jolt where like, oh shit! But then you do kind of realize like, oh yeah, it's Tuchel. This is what he does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a feeling. So, I mean, I saw the trailer for this uh, a while back, and I, I just I had a feeling that it was going to be. Definitely uh, on the darker side of things, but just some of the things that happened to these women uh, still yeah. still surprising to me. Yeah, this. Uh, yeah, I would definitely agree there. Uh, all right. Any any other thoughts? Cat fight. It's kind of just stupid fun. Yeah. Stupid and enjoyable. I would I would definitely recommend it. What are you gonna give Cat Fight out of ten? I give Cat Fight a six. I'm sitting at around six as well. Um, it's it's worth a look. Yeah, I mean, I like like I said, I enjoyed it, but you know, towards the end of the year, or even you know, like a month from now, I don't, I I doubt it's really going to be sticking with me. Yeah, same here. Um, it's, you know, like a memorable 2017 film viewing experience. Right, right. And I I didn't mention the the performances by Sandro and Anne Heche. Um I thought both were great. I thought Sandra O. Oh, really really did a great job oh yeah both of them did oh yeah so the performances were 
they should be noted because they were they were really really well done yeah and there was a lot more to it than then just them you know those two beating the shit out of each other yeah exactly it's not completely mindless they 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 take the time to the characters are are pretty well developed and i like that they had this kind of backstory that they it doesn't really reveal itself until later so you don't yeah. you're not you don't really know what the turmoil is between these two yeah cuz these just when, when they initially meet it's like man these two really hate each other yeah there's that immediate and, tension there and there's like that time passing did not help at all nope like old wounds. Neither one of these, yeah, neither one of these have grown up at all. Now, would you would you call it deliciously funny? Um, I don't, I don't think anything's ever deliciously. Funny. <laughs> I don't get that. Uh, what about what about a movie like Chef? Would you call Chef deliciously funny? Did you see Chef? I saw Chef. Would would you say it's deliciously funny? Because that's no, one I, I might. St- I still don't understand how. It can be delicious in its humor, like the like the funny aspects of the movie. I don't think I want to devour the humor. <laughs> yeah, I want to like, devour its humor. It's the same thing when people are like, "Oh, you know, this sexy new design of this car." It's like it's a car. Like you don't like. I don't want to have sex with it. So to me, it cannot be sexy because <laughs> sexy means that you would like to have sex with. No, it. sir, I do not want to make love to that car. <laughs> yeah, like. There's no electronics that I'm like, yeah, I want to fuck that. Like, that's not a thing. I mean, for some people, it might be. For some people, it probably is. But I'm sure there's a subreddit somewhere. Probably. Probably. But I just don't understand how something can be deliciously anything outside of like. (laughs) Except a nice, like a (laughs) flambe. Yeah, a flambe or maybe a casserole. You know, who knows? That I can say, yeah, that's delicious. All right. That's Catfight. Let's move on to Headshot. We got uh, two, two one-word titles here, Catfight and Headshot. Yeah, compound words, too. Watch nice. out. Yep, look out. Uh, so this is directed by the Moe Brothers, uh, Kimo and Timo. I have a synopsis here. Uweiss plays a young... I like how they, they start with Uweiss. Like, are we... I mean, include his first name. You know what I mean? Like, why would you just start with his last name here? Is, is he has he reached that level? Yeah, I mean, just anyway. Eco Uwais plays a young man who washes ashore and an amnesiac with a serious head injury, whose past comes back to haunt him shortly after being nursed back to health by a young doctor. Violence ensues. Sweet, sweet violence. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it says. Oh God. I don't know if that's the official synopsis or just one that was put on IMDb, but we're going to go with it. Uh, so I have a review for Headshot up on the site. Kevin, we'll start it with you. What would you think of Headshot? Oh, man, this fucker is bloated. <laughs> Good Lord. Uh, uh, I'm and bloated. I, I went into this. I didn't know that this was the Mo Brothers. And after a certain amount of time, I was like, this, this seems kind of familiar. And I was trying to figure out like what movie it reminded me of. Reminded me of. And then, you know, found out who it was. And then, you know, I watched their other, well, I forget what their other movie Killers. was called. Was it Killers? Yeah. yeah. Which seemed to suffer from the same, same things. Yeah. Uh, the, the fight sequences in this one is much better. Well, yeah, with, because, kill, with Killers, it was more of a horror movie more than yeah. anything. There was, it wasn't really, like Killers was, it was a horror movie with action elements. This one is yeah. just straight up martial arts straight action. Up. 
Yeah, with some odd choices thrown in there. The stuff that, like, what I call the filler in an action movie. All the stuff that's not the action sequences. Um, I don't. I'm not entirely sure what they were going, what they were doing here. Just seems like they're trying a bit too much. They were trying to like in yeah, between was, in yeah. between the fights. It's like you know everyone's here for the fights. Yeah, like um, let's keep it simple. Right, and th- that's exactly what I said in in my review. I thought that the action sequences were incredible. They're amazing, and it's worth seeing the movie just for those. But everything in between. I was just like, eh. Like I felt like the script was pretty weak. The only thing, oh, the, yeah. the only thing that I thought, uh, script-wise, that was strong was the the characters, like the specifically the enemies. I like it when movies, uh, action movies, have unique enemies where it's not just hordes of you know random dudes that are being thrown at at the hero or the protagonist. I like it when there's like you know mini bosses essentially. Yeah, and I thought that this had a, a really good uh, team of bad guys for him to fight. Uh, and, and the the main villain, I thought he was he was just so evil. Like he was just seemed like such an evil, despicable person that it made it made fighting him more satisfying. Yeah. Although I would say that the at least in my opinion that that fight, the final fight with the main bad guy, was probably the least satisfying of all the fights but yeah, yeah I, thought, I thought a couple of the fights actually were kind of yeah I, I can't say that i was in love with all of them i, I mean like, i was pretty excited when they all started i was like yes here we go but there were a couple of them where i was kind of let down like oh that wasn't the choreography and that wasn't too great well they use the shaky cam a little bit too much and to me whenever shaky cam is used it's to hide you know yeah what's, well, it's what's just, happening <laughs> Also, it's just some really odd choices, like the progression of the fight. Like one in particular is like, um, I think it might have been like the second to the last where he ends up fighting uh, Rika. Yeah, on the who beach. Who is played, played by Hammer Girl. Mm-hmm. And they fight on the beach. And it's just like, okay, this guy, Ishmael or Abdi, whatever you want, to, you know, whatever his name is. He gets sliced like seven times, like across his shin. He's getting his arms sliced. He's getting, they're in salt water. So he's getting all that wounds, all this stuff. And he's just hanging in there. He's barely, like at this point, I mean, the guy should be pretty much dead. Like it's ridiculous. But then he ends up like subduing her with like a simple kick to the face. And it's just like that. Like the guy gets stabbed how many times and slashed how many times. And he brings her down with a simple kick to the face. Like oh, she couldn't handle one kick to the face. Well, he's like a super. He's like a superhero. Yeah, this guy. By by all intents and purposes, all the other baddies are too. They all grew up the same. Yep, that's that is true. That's and when point. you're and all these fights, they're pretty much equal. Like he doesn't just destroy everybody. You know what I mean? Like they're pretty even. Like he gets the shit kicked at him, but yes, he ends up winning. Yeah, I mean fights, he but he destroys the the no name people. He yeah. he destroys them, but yeah, all of the people, like the soldiers that he was raised with, yeah, I'd say that they're on even, pretty much even ground. Yeah, and I mean, the one guy, even the only, I mean, he kind of gets lucky and gets a shotgun, but I mean, he was pretty much losing that one. Like, they're all pretty much, you know, even. He's just, he's getting out by like a very thin margin. Well, so I, with that early fight with the shotgun, that was when he was still not really knowing who he was. So I think that his 
he was still trying to like recover his he was still healing he was still recovering his memory well that was the other interesting thing is, is like he's he's doing that throughout which i don't know what, exactly what they're trying to do here where he's he essentially has some like particles in his in his skull that causes him great pain if he gets hit and he kind of like blacks out or whatever and then it happens in a number of times in fights and it's like how i mean you guys saw the x-rays you know where his weak spot is and you can tell that he's like he can barely function yeah if he gets hit aim the for head. the head <laughs> hit him in the head man <laughs> but there were a couple of badass fights that one where he's tied to the table I thought that was pretty. That was inventive. That was creative to watch. That was uh, that was probably one of my favorite ones, uh, especially because when he when that guy gets stabbed through the face with the machete, I think that I've never seen an injury like that before in a movie. How it like went up through like the side of his face like that. Like, yeah. It didn't go up through the middle because you know you always see it in movies where it goes up through the middle, you know, through the head. But the fact that it like went up the side of his cheek, like through the skin. Yeah. Like that was that was pretty that's intense. That's that, gross. I mean that that's one thing. This this movie is uh extremely violent to the max. I mean like the level of bloodshed in this movie is through the roof and uh it's pretty effective. I mean it 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 worked for me. The the one of my favorite fight scenes might be my favorite fight scene was on the bus. Uh so like the they're fighting on the bus. The, these the bad guys get on this bus and kill everybody on the bus. So it's just stacked with dead bodies. And then he goes in and they start fighting on this, this cramped bus. And I thought that that was a really cool location to fight, like on this really kind of confined space. And then that camera shot where it follows him through the window, I thought looked really, I thought that was really awesome looking. Yeah. He kind of does that dive roll out the back. Yeah. I thought that was really cool how the camera was like, went through the window with him and um the the fight scene with Rika I thought was really good too. I like the fact that it took place on the beach and it was like in the water and in the sand. He was like throwing sand at her and I thought that that was a, a cool fight scene. And then the one in the forest was also cool with the guy with the glasses. He was a yeah. badass. Yeah, he was. That was a great one. The Rika one, I didn't I hate the way it ended though. It was it just was so, a, yeah. It's <laughs> like what? little bit of a wet noodle there at the end especially because she's like they make it a point of showing her like aim it the other way and it's like i think you're focusing on her you yeah you would know that she's not pointing it at you i think maybe it was just a reaction because he looked shocked like afterwards like when he looked and realized that he that he did that yeah but at the same time it's like if you were what you would know that the gun's not pointed at you she like pointed it yeah it wasn't even it wasn't like she (laughs) she aimed it slightly off i mean she like completely turned her hand sideways yeah it's like uh you know how guns work i mean it wasn't that severe of a head injury I think that it's hard not to watch this movie and not compare it to the raid. And I think that that is another thing that works against it. Well, yeah, I think that, yeah, like you said, that's, it's, it's an inevitability, especially when you're watching the fight sequences and you're like, the choreography is just not as strong. It's It's, just, it's not, it's just not as strong. It's not. uh, I will agree. They used a lot of the same crew from, from the raid movies as well. And, I mean, obviously, you have multiple actors from the Raid movies in this, and it just it feels like um, 
it just feels like kind of a, a knockoff, really. And and it's it's terrible to say that because I I liked the movie overall. I thought it was fine. I will. I, I didn't. As far as like the plot elements go, it was so basic. I mean, it was just like this is nothing we haven't seen before. So it was it was pretty generic as far as the storyline goes. But I thought the action really it really worked for me. And it's just unfortunate that because it's so similar to the raid, it's like you can't not compare it. And the raid and the raid two are just so far superior that it it kind of makes this it, it makes this movie pale in comparison and it's unfortunate because i think if the raid didn't exist if we were living in a world where some horrible existence where the raid and the raid 2 didn't exist that this movie we'd be you know really kind of singing its praises yeah i mean yeah cuz on one hand you don't want to do that cuz it is to a certain extent unfair yeah but at the same time you can't help but do it Especially when you're watching the fights and you're just like, I could just turn this off and turn put the raid on. Like, I could just watch the raid. Because it comes down to the fight sequences. Because, like we said numerous times, everything outside of the fight sequences is, eh. It's, it's fluff. It's just filler. Right, and that's, I think, something that... I think that that is something worthy of a comparison because the raid actually has a very good story. And I think I think that the raid has a strong plot, both of them. And like, because I think that Gareth Evans was smart enough for the first raid, he knew that people were going there for the action. So he was like, you know what? We're going to keep the plot to a bare minimum, and we're just going to make it nonstop yeah. action. And I think in those two films, you're building up to the fights, where you're kind of like building the anticipation and the excitement and stuff. That when it when it finally kicks off, you're like, yes, here we go fantastic i love the way this is set up this one you're just kind of waiting yeah because show up you're just like come on let's move it along the way that this the way that this movie's structured it's almost like uh like a jackie chan movie or a tony jaw movie where you have this kind of reluctant hero who he doesn't want he doesn't want the violence that's happening to him he just wants to you know live his little beach beach life with his new girlfriend and just live a normal life and the violence comes to him. It's thrust upon him. So he, so he's kind of like the reluctant hero. Whereas in the raid movies, I mean, these are like, these are cops going in here. They know that the action's going to be happening and they're, they're looking for it. They're seeking it out. So I think like the, just the story structure as a whole is more effective in the raid because in this movie, it's like, Oh, he has amnesia and he doesn't know how to, he doesn't remember his past life. And, all of this stuff yeah, and this like th- so those moments in between the action where he's trying to like develop his relationship with this girl and figure out who he is and all that stuff it's just it just fell flat yeah it's just unnecessary especially the amnesia stuff because he really didn't utilize it no much. because he pre- he like there was like the <laughs> first the, the maybe the first fight scene where he was like, what is going on? But then, like, after that, he pretty much immediately started remembering everything. Yeah. But also, do they even... Maybe this is something I just missed, but do they even, like... uh, Do they even say why they shot him in the first place? No, I don't think they do. (laughs) It's like... I think they kind of hinted at it, where it's like, she kind of said, like, if if you make me choose, I'm going to have to choose so-and-so. So I don't know if he was already, like, kind of... On the outs, like he wanted to get out of this, he wasn't. 
I mean, that's what I assumed, but I didn't know for sure if he, because it seemed like him and him and uh, Rika had a thing going on, and I didn't know if like they the 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 father figure guy wanted to kill him because of that, or I don't know. No, no, but they got an elaborate thing there out in the out in the jungle by the by the water. Yeah, quite How the you build uh, all that shit. Quite the compound. What's he? What's he even doing it for? I, that's a, that's I, the other funny thing. Is like he has this like whole team of this whole family that he's raised as assassins and shit. But like I don't even know what the guy does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's that scene at the beginning where he goes and like they bust him out of prison and they like he takes over the from this other crime boss. So I guess that he's like he's dealing selling... dealing in drugs and guns. Yeah. And I yeah. guess that he, I mean, I guess it's just a kind of a past, like a hobby for him to steal children and <laughs> train them up to be killers. And, and I mean, he apparently he's, he invests a lot of time into these kids. Yeah, like decades. Yeah. Because when, when he got them, he gets them like when they're like seven, eight years old. <laughs> yeah, that's just something else i don't know it's one of these movies where i think if you if you think about it for too long it just everything falls apart and i went into it just kind of excited for the action i got some really solid action out of it and that that did it for me that was that was enough for me to to go into it and have fun with the action i think my favorite thing is i forget who the guy's name when she was fighting the the big guy in the police station mm-hmm. and he did that where he put him kind of like in an arm bar and then jumped over the table and yeah. took the arm with him. Yeah. That was, wow. That yeah. was something else. Uh, like I said, in my review, there were, there were a number of moments where it, some of the things caused me to like audibly make noises, like guttural noises. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, where you almost feel it, you know? <laughs> Yeah, there's like you get a twinge, you get like a phantom pain in your arm just thinking about it. It's just unfortunate that you had to sit through so much fluff. I think that yeah, I think that that's definitely an issue with the with the Mo Brothers movies is that they they try to develop everything way too much. Just I mean, this up. movie this movie is two hours long, and it's yeah. just like okay, just get in and get out. It's 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 a little. I mean, all they all they. They didn't even have to do so so much of the stuff in this they didn't have to do. You just have it be the te- this team of assassins, this elite team of assassins trying to kill this one guy. Yeah. And he doesn't know why. Like that you, you just keep it the bare minimum keep and it works af- it works out. Because you can have like wave after wave and then you have the whole kidnapping thing and he has to go and find her and rescue her and the little girl and it's like let's let's not do that. Like the whole kidnapping thing is so played out too. Yeah, and why is she so invested in him? Exactly, she doesn't even know this guy. She just met him like a day ago. I also, I also thought that the whole Moby Dick thing was was pretty yes. dumb. <laughs> yeah, that was something else. Yeah. All <laughs> right, headshot. Uh, after reviewing it here, I feel like I scored it too high on my review. <laughs> It's funny, like when you when I when I write out a review and then give it a score, a lot of times it's before I actually talk about it with anybody. And then talking through it, I yeah. convince it's, myself, like, okay, because yeah, because sometimes when you're talking it out, sometimes you realize, 
like you enjoyed it a bit about a bit more than you know you originally thought and it's good it, and it comes out of too is like speaking with someone else about it. it's like oh yeah that part i love that part or yeah that that portion of the movie or that aspect of the movie yeah i forgot how great that was you know you have someone else pointing out and it can go up but at the same time it can go the opposite way yeah. too where you just kind of talk it through and you're just like you know what i don't know if i really like that much about this film yeah um so i gave it a 6.5 in my review I'd probably still give it like a six or five, five point five or a six. Yeah, I think I'm about the same because now th- sitting here talking with you, I'm trying to like remember the fight scenes, and I don't remember much from them. Like they just, I just didn't think they they were that uh, memorable. And I think that that again goes back to the raid where you have these fight scenes that are very similar in the raid, but they're they're done so much. <sighs> They're not necessarily done better, but the the way that they're presented and the kind of creativity that's utilized is more memorable. So, yeah. at any rate, that's Headshot that is playing in limited release right now. Let's move on and talk about someone we've been watching on the watch list. I only have one movie this oh week. Oh, boy. Other than Logan. I'll talk about Logan first. Talk about Oh, Logan, Logan, Logan. You should have seen Logan this weekend. Is it good? It is good. It is great. Ooh. It is, uh, it's, it's surprisingly great. I mean, I thought, I was excited for it. I thought it was going to be, I thought it was going to be good. I was, I was interested, like, I mean, from the trailers, you're like, this does not look like your typical X-Men movie. And several times throughout the movie, I had to kind of remind myself, like, this is in the X-Men, you know, movie canon. This is, this is part of it. And it's just weird when you're hearing Patrick Stewart say fuck every two seconds. <laughs> you're just like, oh, well, okay, this is interesting. Um, it, it, the, the, the R rating thing, I think, was, it was needed. I mean, it, it made, some people will probably say it doesn't, doesn't really matter. But to me, to make this R rated and to just embrace that rating and make it for adults, it just seemed like, okay, this is what, it needed to be from the beginning because this is a guy who is so violent and so aggressive. He has claws that, that come out that shoot out of his hands and he uses those claws to kill people. Now, nothing about that seems like it should be PG 13 and you know, what claws do to people. Exactly. This is a, and, and also like Wolverine is a, he's a gruff guy, you know, he's, he is, he is, uh, He's not some like prim and proper uh, dude. So yeah, he's gonna say fuck. He's gonna drop some f bombs here and there. He's gonna fuck some people up. I imagine. And boy, does he fuck people up in this. Uh, the the violence. I mean, they they went with a hard R on this. Like the the level of violence in this was so much more. I mean, I expected it to be pretty bloody, but some of the shit that happens in this movie, you're just like, holy crap. And the other thing is like violence with children too, like. Kids getting shot, kids like the the girl in this that he's protecting. Uh, she there's like one scene where she, they shoot a harpoon through her chest. Oh, uh, because she's basically Wolverine's daughter and she has the same healing powers and she has claws as well. And boy, you know, Ryan was uh, on last week's Ryan Watches movie was saying that he wants to see this to, to see the girl uh tear people up, and holy crap, does she tear people up! She destroys people in this. 
She's just slicing limbs off like it's nothing. Uh, but action aside, it was it was also a really really solid movie as far as the uh, the plot and everything. It was uh, much more somber, much more serious than a lot of the other X Men movies. It doesn't feel like a comic book movie at all. Like it's not. It's just very dark and very depressing in a lot of ways. I mean, this takes place 200 years in the future, and oh, sorry. By the time this takes place, it takes place in 2029. Wolverine's like 200 years old at this point. So he's, his, his healing isn't as effective. Um, it's, he's ba- basically, he's rotting from the inside out. He's dying. Oh, so boy. he's not as fast. He's not as strong as he used to be. And Professor Xavier is basically going through dementia, which I thought was kind of a really interesting uh element to have you know if you if you know professor x he's like one of the strongest mutants in the world he can control people with his mind he can read your mind he can do all kinds of crazy shit he could probably kill everybody on the planet with just a thought and to have somebody like that going through what appears to be dementia is a really interesting concept because he has these like seizures and it basically almost kills everybody every time it happens Damn. So uh, th- that was interesting, too. Stephen Merchant was in this, too, which uh, I-, I knew that he was in it, but I didn't really know what character he was playing because I didn't, I didn't want to do too much research on this, but he plays Caliban, this guy who can, like, track mutants, but he's like, a, he's like an albino. If he gets in the sun, it burns him. Uh, mm. and, and even he, he added a little bit of comedy to it, but not much, like not a whole lot at all. This is a very serious movie, uh, and uh, I thought it was fantastic. It was highly, highly recommended, and I think it was probably the best X-Men movie ever. It, well, I guess that would extend to probably best Wolverine movie, too. I mean, I don't, I don't even know. Like, when I think of superhero movies, I don't, I don't necessarily include this, because when you see it, it's not, it's not really a superhero movie at all. It's, it's this kind of road trip movie it's almost it's almost like midnight special where you know he's trying to protect this girl and get her to this location so he's driving across the country while these you know government people are are trying to track them down and capture them and i think it's you know we kind of talked about this before but when it comes to superhero movies i mean they've been kind of getting away with doing kind of the same thing for the last how many years yeah so for you to say that it's not like that at all is a good thing because we really need to go somewhere else. I agree. I completely agree. Like uh, they become so formulaic. As much as I like all the Marvel Studios stuff, um, I do agree that it that they have become formulaic. Even though I th- I think that, that formula it still works for me personally because I find the movies to be very very entertaining. This yeah. movie is just like the polar <laughs> opposite of that, and I don't mean. I think that that it's important to note that they they don't they're not just frivolously going for the R rating and making it dark and gritty, you know, like like Zack Snyder's what he's doing with the DC stuff. Like this, this is not Batman v Superman where they're they're trying to make it all dark and gritty. Like this, the way that this looks, like the visual fidelity of this movie is not that of any superhero movie that you've seen. Like it has, it's like artfully done and. I think that it is, uh, from what I saw of the, uh, the box office numbers, it's just, it killed it at the box office this weekend. 
And I think that, that that's a good sign, too, because I was thinking about it. If they make any other Wolverine movies from here on out, or if Wolverine is in anything, it's probably going to be R-rated, and it's probably going to be for adults, because this is the way it was meant to be from the beginning, but I think that a lot of people were nervous about making something that's, that's violent, and, you know, there's, like, yeah. boobs in it, and stuff like that and it's definitely for adults but the the thing about it is these characters the the fan base for the characters has aged you know we're we we grew yeah, up adults. with wolverine and now we're adults you know give us adult wolverine yeah I mean, you can still have like the cartoons and stuff and make him more kid friendly in the cartoons but to to me this is like the ultimate version of of this and as far as comic book movies go, I think that this is probably one of the best ones ever made. Mm, nice. What I watched wasn't as good as what Wolverine sounds like. I watched uh, Sleeping Giant. This is from 2015, directed by Andrew Cividino. Oh, man. This is a... I watched this on Netflix, right? And it got decent reviews. Pretty good reviews, actually. But immediately from the outset, it is extremely predictable. I mean, it essentially just maps out the entire narrative within, you know, first handful of scenes. You just, you know exactly how this is going to play out. And then you get to the end and guess what doesn't surprise you. It's exactly what you thought it was going to be. And of course, it's one of those coming of age narratives. So that makes it even worse, at least for me, because I just, uh, you know, it's coming of age. Knock that shit off. And it's just these kids... They're having this like summer vacation on this like on Lake Superior, and two of the kids are well. The one kid is really bad. He's just he's a terrible kid. He's like a personification of a pair of Janko jeans. The other kid is his cousin, and he's kind of like in between. Like he does the bad stuff with his cousin, but he's also hanging out with this other kid. That's like he's a good kid. His he, family has money, and he's kind of just like kind of meekish and just kind of keeps to himself and he's quiet and he but he kind of gets pulled into and all that good stuff and it's just mm -mm, it's so unbelievably predictable and there's some really bizarre editing choices like there's this whole thing at the beginning where there's this giant rock that only two people have jumped off of right one guy died the other guy lived and he lives in a trailer and sells weed to kids mm. and plays video games so but the kids think he's a legend because he jumped off of that thing. So, obviously, you know, these kids are going to jump off of that. Something bad's going to happen. Guess what? That's what happens. But they go and they go to the guy's house. He's like, oh, we're going to go jump off. In the, and the like the rich kid, the good kid, he's not with them at all. He's just not with them around at all anywhere to be seen. And he's just like, we're going to go jump off this thing. And the legend guy's like, I got a boat. Let's do it. Let's go. And then all of a sudden, we just cut to them riding in the boat, and the kid's there. And it's just like, where did he come from? Yeah. Did they just swing by and pick him up? I'm like, hey, we're going to jump off that thing. Like, there's so many times in this movie where that happens, where it just, like, it cuts to a different point in time, and it just doesn't really make sense. Like, there's a big gap missing. It just kind of throws you off. And I don't know if it's just... I mean, a part of it feels like it's just an aptitude, really. But it's just nothing Nothing works. The only slightly interesting thing is is the, the goody two-shoe kid. There's this throughout where they're kind of building this where he's you're thinking that he's going to come to the realization that he's gay because he's. it seems as though he's in love with the one kid. And they kind of 
go down that route, go down that route, and then they just leave it. Like they just let it dangle there. They don't, you know, they don't come to a conclusion on it or anything. So I, that was the only thing that I was like, oh, that was interesting that they did that. But everything else is just trite and predictable. Hmm. I'm more interested that like this movie doesn't sound any worthwhile to me, but I'm more interested in this short film that this guy directed called We Ate the Children Last. Okay. <laughs> Researchers discover a radical cure for digestive tract illnesses by transplanting pig organs into the human body. Medical miracle morphs into pop phenomenon as eating garbage explodes in popularity, but society may not be prepared for consequences more chilling and irreversible than a fleeting fad. That interests me. I have to try to find that. That sounds sounds so different than what what this is. We ate the children last. Which this, I mean, this movie feels like, you know, Play School's my first film. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's everything that you've seen before. It's just like, okay, they're going to come of age. All right. Mm. Well, speaking of things you've seen before, I saw Don't Kill It. It's directed by Mike Mendez. This is the one with Dolph Lundgren where he plays a demon hunter. More, oh, than, more than anything, I watched it just to figure out what the hell kind of gun that was that he was holding. Remember, we were trying to figure out what yeah. the hell that is. It's, uh, it's a what net is- gun. It's, uh, it shoots a net. Oh, that's kind of anticlimactic. Yeah. It, the, those like things on the end are like posts for the net. Now, um, is, the, is the meshing of the net made of made of like piano wire no, or diamond, no, diamond edge no. that when it shoots out with velocity it actually cubes you no no it just goes right through you and cubes you nope. it's just regular <laughs> regular rope but i wonder if there's a movie with that because someone needs to make that a gun hell yeah because you'd be standing there and be like oh shit it's a net and it kind of is but it's not gonna entrap you it's like a razor anything. net it's, it's just gonna move through you and now you're little tiny like beef stew cubes that would be interesting. Probably more interesting than this film. So Dolph Lundgren plays this demon hunter. Uh, there's this demon that gets that gets set loose on this town, this little little sleepy town in Mississippi. And the the thing about it is, if you kill it, so if you if the demon it possesses a person, that person comes after you. If you kill it, it goes into you. The only way that it can like travel between bodies is if it if it uh, gets killed by the next person. So Dolph Lundgren ends up in this town, try to capture this demon. And the thing is they make him out to be this, this he's like aging. So he's been at it for a while and they make him out to be this kind of expert demon hunter guy. He's got all these like trinkets and baubles and shit that he uses that he has from his travels, but he's just so inept. Like he, if you look at the movie and you, and you look back after it's over, it's like he, he fucked everything up. Like he was not a good demon hunter. He was not able to get this guy. He just kept escaping over and over again. You know, he has all these tools and stuff, but half of them don't work. And he's just, he was a terrible demon hunter. And the movie was poorly acted. The effects work is ridiculous. I didn't know if this was supposed to be a comedy or a horror movie or what, because they would cut to like this ridiculous, like gratuitous over the top violence. And it was like, is this, it's, is it supposed to be funny? Is it supposed to be scary? Cause the way that it was shot, it was almost like a trauma movie or one of these, um, like an Astron six movie where it's goofy over the top violent, you know? Yeah. And I didn't, 
So I never really knew what they were going for with this. I was assuming it was supposed to be funny, but but it wasn't. And I truly didn't enjoy anything about it. The only thing I enjoyed was the way that Dolph Lundgren devised to, to capture the demon was somewhat clever. Like, what he wanted to do was to have someone drink poison, then kill the demon, so that when the demon goes into the next person, that they essentially kill themselves. They die from the mm-hmm. poison. That way, because nobody killed that person, the demon can't go into go somebody in else. Oh. So that was kind of clever, but it just nothing about it was fun or enjoyable. So that don't kill it. This is on VOD right now, but I don't, I can't recommend it. I like Dolph Lundgren, I really do. And his character was kind of cool, but the fact that he was just so bad at his job made it. Not made made his and plus his name was like Jebediah or something. Nice. <laughs> I was like, all right, this is this is not it's terrible. I don't know what I was expecting with this. I thought it was going to be kind of fun, Lundgren playing a demon hunter, but there's just one demon. It felt like a lot like um, End of Days with mm, uh, Arnold yeah. because the he meets up with this girl who is like a descendant of an angel or something, but like that plot really doesn't go anywhere Hmm. anyway it's it's bad it is bad all right let's talk about some predictions last week logan you said 87 i said 86 actual 93 yeah logan logan's a popular one next week we got kong skull island this is a biggie biggie. it's a biggie in that friend of the show jordan vote roberts directed it oh yeah that's right I think that that's awesome. It's insane. Yeah. This movie looks really awesome. I'm I'm very, very excited for it. Uh, I'll say... I'm going to say 86 on that. Let's say 72. All right. Uh, what else do we have? Do we have any other wide releases next week? Doesn't look like it. Don't have too many wide releases next week. Uh, in limited release, we have Uncertain, My Scientology Movie, Raw, which I'm really excited about. Hell yeah, finally. Uh, Personal Shopper. That's the nice. uh, one with Chris and Stewart. I'm pretty excited about that one, too. That, that one looks intriguing. That one's got me... That, that one's piqued my interest. Uh, the Sense of an Ending. The Other Half. The Ottoman Lieutenant. Betting on Zero. Next week on VOD, on the 7th, that's Tuesday, we have Ghosts of Darkness. Burlesque. Heart of the Glitter Tribe. Heart okay. of the Glitter Tribe. And then on the 10th, we have Brimstone. Heart of the Glitter Tribe. Blu-ray next week. We have, this is for Tuesday, March 7th. Got uh, Always Shine. Okay. Yeah, I'd recommend checking that one out. The Brand New Testament. I want to see that. Been meaning to see that forever. Is that the one with the, like, Jesus comes back to, or God mm-hmm. lives in Denmark or something like that? Yeah. Belgium. Yeah, Belgium. We have Jackie, Moana. I haven't seen Jackie. I definitely would recommend Moana, which was a surprise because I wasn't interested in it at all. Uh, The Eyes of My Mother, Incarnate, Trespass Against Us, and that's pretty much it. What do we have on the old Criterion front next week? Uh, We have one coming out on Criterion. That's 45 Years, which I kind of forgot about this movie. The one with Charlotte Rampine. Mm Mm-hmm. Another uh, another contemporary release. Yeah, which I forgot that I was 
extremely interested in this film. So heard nothing but good things. Exactly. Interest is is back up. Peaked. All right. right. Check that one out. Cool. All right, that's going to do it for us this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at filmpulsenet and at filmpulsekevin. And if you have a minute, take a look at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash filmpulse. Consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber for just a dollar a month. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week.